is Diagnosis Glaucoma with your hosts, Dr. Mona Colleen and Dr. Harry Quigley. Welcome back to Diagnosis Glaucoma. We've talked a lot about how eye pressure is one of the risk factors for glaucoma. On this episode, we'll get into the details of how we measure it. Inside the eye, there's a fluid called the aqueous humor. You may be wondering where it comes from. Well, it comes from a little gland within the eye. It has nothing to do with the tears that you produce on the outside of your eye. The aqueous humor is produced in that little gland and then it has a pathway of circulation. That gland sits kind of behind the iris of your eyes. The iris is the color part of your eye. And the fluid flows from that structure out of the iris through the pupil and into the angle of your eye. Yeah, interestingly, Mona, Historically, we only learned that there was a circulation of fluid in the eye within the last hundred years. And in fact, it was somewhat controversial whether the fluid actually just sat there or whether it came in one place and went out another place. Of course, now we know that there is a circulation with an incoming place and an outflowing place. So we might wonder why is this fluid sitting there and flowing? And it does two things. First, that fluid movement is actually the blood flow or the nourishing fluid for many of the structures in the front of the eye. The second thing that that flow does is to maintain a pressure that keeps your eye from indenting or vibrating a lot, because if it did that, you'd see the world bouncing around all the time. So the normal pressure in the eye is actually maintaining the optical clarity of your vision. You just brought up an important term there, Harry. You said normal eye pressure. What do you consider to be normal? That's a very controversial issue in the field, and it's not controversial what the typical eye pressure is. The typical eye pressure, if you measure 10,000 people, is somewhere between 5 and 21. But by calling that pressure normal, we lead to a problem when we deal with glaucoma because glaucoma happens because of what your eye pressure is, but not all glaucoma patients have abnormal eye pressure. In fact, half of them have a normal eye pressure in the United States and even more in other countries. When you are diagnosed with glaucoma, what we'll do is we'll look at your highest eye pressure. We call that the T-max and we determine what your target eye pressure should be, so how much we reduce the eye pressure by, by looking at your Tmax or your highest eye pressure. Generally, we want to reduce the pressure by 20 to 30% less than the highest. However, the target pressure for each individual glaucoma patient and even each individual eye varies from person to person. So one person may have a target that we want to achieve that's a pressure of 21, and others may have a target that's as low as 12. I do want to point out that your target eye pressure, if you come to see me, will never be above 21, no matter what your highest eye pressure was. So if you had a high eye pressure of 50, your target pressure is not gonna be 20 to 30% less than that. In my practice, it's always going to be at least 21 or less. In addition, we try to take account of how much glaucoma damage has already happened to someone So if you have very early glaucoma damage, that is not very much damage, we don't need to be as aggressive at setting the target very low. But if you have very severe glaucoma, let's say one eye is already blinded and the other eye has bad damage, then we're going to aim for an even lower pressure to make sure that you retain your vision for the rest of your life as most glaucoma patients do. 
Your target eye pressure also does not have anything to do with your gender, your race, or your age. It's personalized just for you. Sometimes we see patients where we don't know what the highest eye pressure was. Like let's say that you were treated by another eye doctor and you've been on medications for some time or you've had a surgery, and now you're going to see a new eye doctor. That new eye doctor is going to figure out what your target eye pressure is. And the way that they're doing it is based on these randomized clinical trials that have happened in the past that kind of guide and dictate glaucoma specialists and give them an idea of what kind of target eye pressures we should set without that other previous data. One of the things that I do not infrequently is to meet someone for the first time who's already being treated. Let's say they're taking eye drops, and I will do something that sounds a little scary at first. I'll say, why don't we stop your eye drops in one eye for a period of a week or two or three? Now, we've been urging you never to miss your eye drops, and here I am telling you not to take them. But it's in a good cause because we need to know, at least at that point in time, what is your untreated eye pressure. It also tells us if the eye drops are working because there's no use taking something if it's not actually helping you. So for brief periods under careful observation, we do what I call a stop trial where we try stopping the drops just for a brief period and seeing you back. Naturally, we can't do this and say come back next year. There are a few factors that can influence your eye pressure readings. Some of these include like the time of the day. Generally, your eye pressure is higher in the morning and it can fluctuate throughout the day, especially in someone who truly has glaucoma, they will have larger fluctuations of their intraocular pressure. Also the Valsalva maneuver, which that's a medical term, but in non-medical terminology, that really refers to like heavy breathing or straining, or if you're like holding your breath, that's called the Valsalva maneuver, essentially. And so when you do any of those things like holding your breath or breathing heavily, like if you're lifting weights, then that can increase your eye pressure. Also, in the clinic, if we're measuring your eye pressure and you squeeze a lot, then the measurement may not be accurate, and that has to do with the squeezing or pressure on your eyelids. I know that many patients love to do yoga, and one of their favorite positions is down-facing dog. When people's eye pressure is measured when they're in that position, or especially when they're doing a headstand, the eye pressure that typically would be 15 can go up to 35 or 40. So if you do like yoga, please do it. Stress management is wonderful. Dr. Kaleem is a specialist in that area. But it's not a good thing for glaucoma patients, especially if you have severe damage. There are wonderful ways to meditate and do yoga without having your head below your heart. Correct. So you can definitely still do yoga, but there are positions that you must avoid, as Harry has just brought out. Many people don't know that your eye pressure goes up when you sleep. Now that depends on what position you sleep in, but most of us sleep flat, either prone or supine as we call it, on your back or on your side. And when we go horizontal, the effect of gravity on the tissues and the veins in our brain changes by position. And so that's a reason why the eye pressure goes up when you sleep. Now that's okay in most people as long as it doesn't go up terribly high but we do suspect that there is one contributing feature to some people's glaucoma, that they have either much higher eye pressure at night than others do, or that their blood pressure changes during the night in ways that aren't beneficial. Do you know of any evidence that indicates that a patient should not be sleeping on one particular side? 
That's quite controversial, and we recently have done some work where we have a contact lens that can be put on the eye that tells us an estimation of what the eye pressure is when your eye is closed. We're about to start talking about the formal tonometers or instruments that measure eye pressure, but this is one that was approved by the FDA for giving an idea about the eye pressure throughout a 24-hour period, and especially when the eyes closed. And when we measured people pretending they were sleeping and pressing their eye into their pillow, the measure that seems to be related to eye pressure went up substantially. So first off, don't sleep with your eye pressed in the pillow if you have glaucoma. And as Dr. Kaleem mentioned, there's some evidence that the eye that's the lower eye when you're on your side may have a higher pressure than the other eye. Whether that's direct pressure or it's something else remains to be studied. At the moment though, we do not have good evidence to tell somebody that how you sleep is important in glaucoma. Harry, I have heard people say that drinking too much water can influence your intraocular pressure. What do you think? We've done quite a lot of research on that subject, and there's a water drinking test where people drink two bottles of standard water. So imagine those bottles that you see everybody in the gym drinking. So take two of those, drink them in 10 minutes, which is quite a challenge to get them down that fast. And if you do that, you'll find that in the majority of people, the eye pressure rises between five and eight millimeters of mercury. So it rises by 40 or 50%, but for about a half an hour, and then it turns the corner and comes back down again. So a good idea is to drink the water, but slowly don't chug it down all of a sudden. I do want to mention, as I was discussing earlier about the heavy breathing, there are certain vocations or certain activities where we're holding our breath, like if you're a wind instrument player or if you're someone who lifts a lot of weight, then you might be engaging in heavy breathing or breath holding. And again, that refers to this term called the Valsalva maneuver. So my advice to you is if you're one of those individuals that you should try to avoid any very heavy, strenuous weightlifting. And do you agree with that, Harry? Yeah, I think that most of us, and we're really talking, I think, to a group of, of adults. Uh, most of you aren't as old as I am, but I still do weight work every day. But I do medium and lighter weights, and I always breathe through the lifting. In other words, you should have your mouth open lightly, and you should be breathing in and out while you're lifting the weight. If you need to hold your breath and grunt, you're lifting too much weight. It's bad for your joints, and it's not necessary for proper maintenance of your muscle mass. Patients who do that are probably not severely damaging themselves, but we have to take every possible opportunity to make you safe. And what do you think about people who play wind instruments? Very challenging question. There was a wonderful study done by Dr. Joel Schumann, who's now in New York City, and he had a patient who was a trumpet player, and Joel measured the trumpet player's eye pressure while he was playing loudly and blowing high notes, and the eye pressure certainly did go up during that period of time. Subsequently, more than one group have gone to a large symphony orchestra group and measured to see whether there were lots of people who had glaucoma more than you would have expected among those who played the heavy wind instruments, tubas and French horns and trombones. And there's not been any definite positive finding from studies like that. So I think it takes an awful lot more than playing the French horn too much to get glaucoma. You might be asking yourself, is it okay for me to run and still engage in exercise? 
And the answer to that is yes. So what Harry and I are telling you is that, yes, do things in moderation. And we will have an episode dedicated to lifestyle later on. In terms of measuring the eye pressure, how do we do that? Well, there's several different ways to do it. There is something called digital palpation. We don't really encourage you to do it, but it's something that was done really a very long time ago where you would just take your finger and place it on your eye gently and just kind of palpate the eye. So way back when, if the eye felt hard like a marble, then it meant that the eye pressure was too high. And if it was very labile, then it meant that it was too soft. I have patients who've told me that they can tell exactly what their eye pressure is. And they're either telling me that they're feeling their eye, as Mona just said, or they're saying, oh, I can tell just by how my eye feels. And by that, they don't mean touching it. They mean how it feels. I've only had one patient in 40 years who was ever accurately able to tell me that the eye pressure was either higher or lower than average. And the rest of the time, those are legitimate feelings that you're having, but they aren't accurate in terms of how to measure the pressure in the eye. So we are not encouraging you to try to touch your eye. That's actually a very bad idea. And that's definitely not something that you will see us doing when we measure your eye pressure in the clinic. So you may have had your eye pressure checked in the past with air puff tonometry. What that's doing is it's measuring the time that's used to flatten your cornea. The cornea is the window of the eye and that's where we're measuring your eye pressure. So the air puff is the time that's needed to flatten the cornea. So it's that force. Another way to measure the eye pressure, which is really the gold standard way, is Goldman applination tonometry. In Goldman Applination Tonometry, well, in clinic you might have seen this before where we turn on a blue light and there's a little button that comes close to your eye. So that's Goldman Applination Tonometry. In that method of checking eye pressure, we're essentially, again, using the force of flattening your cornea but at a specific diameter. I think that it's important to realize that every way of measuring the eye pressure involves pushing on it and seeing how hard it pushes back. So whether we do that with a puff of air or with an instrument on our big pair of binoculars called the slit lamp, that's the Goldman tonometry that Mona just mentioned with the blue light, or with handheld devices, each one of those is using the ability of the eye to push back when we're pushing on it that tells us what the internal pressure is. And of course, they each have advantages and disadvantages. Well, the advantage of the Goldman Applination Tonometry is that we numb your eye. You don't even really know that it's happening. And it's the most reliable and accurate way to measure the eye pressure. I personally do not like the air puff tonometry because a lot of people get kind of startled. And I find that the eye pressure readings are a little higher with that than they truly are. In fact, the one called air puff blasts air, but it also, by its very mechanism, gives us an idea of how the eye responds in terms of its elasticity to being pushed on. And really none of the other instruments are able to do that. And some of those measurements of elasticity, or so-called hysteresis, actually correlate with how severe your glaucoma might develop. So while it's, as Mona said, not the greatest way to measure the eye pressure, it does generate uh, some information that many of us now find increasingly useful. The other ways to check eye pressure, which are portable, are with a tono pen, which is a handheld device that we walk around with, and that just kind of taps on the front of your cornea, but again, you're numb for this, so don't worry. And something else that's portable is called the eye care tonometer. For this, you actually don't even need to be numbed. 
there's a little handheld apparatus that comes close to your face and measures your eye pressure without you even realizing that it's happening. We call it the space pencil for children because one of the things we had the most difficulty with over many years was in finding out what the eye pressure was in infants and children because any kid worth his salt is not going to hold still and let me come at him with a tonometer. But this one allows us to measure even 18-month-old infant children, three-year-olds. We play games and tell them that it's a, a game and they're going to have a ping-pong ball that's going to come flying out of the machine and they'll never see it. You can actually rent an eye care to take home if you'd like. We rent them out here at the Wilmer Eye Institute. And if you go to our website, www diagnosisglaucoma.com under the resources tab you'll find a link to the Wilmer Eye Institute. From there you can go to the glaucoma division page and you can contact us about renting an eye care home tonometer. Our group was one of the ones that helped the company get FDA approval for this home measurement eye care instrument. And believe it or not you can put it up near your face, stare ahead at a little light, press the button, and the instrument measures your eye pressure without you even feeling that it happens. Then you bring that instrument to us, we download what your pressures have been over the number of times that you've done it at home, and we can get a better idea of how your pressure's doing through the course of your real, normal, everyday life. Our colleague, Dr. Tom Johnson, is doing some very interesting work in this area. It'll be exciting to see what he finds. Now, since we are using a device that's held close to or touches your cornea, imagine that if you have a disease of your cornea, that could affect the way that we measure your eye pressure. For example, if you're an individual who has a scar on your cornea, that may affect the way that we measure your eye pressure with our machines. Also, if you're wearing a contact lens over your cornea, you should remove that because we'll get the wrong eye pressure reading for you. There are other properties of the cornea that can affect the eye pressure. So something called the central corneal thickness. The average central corneal thickness is 540 microns. If you are someone whose cornea is thin, then when you are in the clinic, we are getting a falsely low eye pressure reading for you. There's another factor called corneal hysteresis, and that has to do with the viscoelasticity of the cornea. If your corneal hysteresis is low, that could put you at risk for glaucoma. We think, Mona, that the entire mechanical response of the eye to its pressure is how the damage to the nerves that we talked about in our optic nerve podcast happens. So a little nerve is going through the wall of the eye, and the higher the pressure in the eye is, the more that little nerve fiber is getting squished. Now, at the same pressure, your eye might squish its nerve fibers more than mine does because of how it responds mechanically. So these measurements like corneal thickness or hysteresis are attempting to get an idea of the mechanical response of each person's eye to the pressure in the eye. And that's why some people can damage their nerve fibers, damage their optic nerve at a pressure that's typical for everyone else because the mechanical response to the pressure, even though it's so-called normal, is injurious or hurts the nerve fibers. An important point to mention, which we've kind of brought about earlier, is that the eye pressure can fluctuate throughout any given single day. It's called diurnal fluctuation. So sometimes we'll ask patients to come in and see us and spend the entire day in the clinic with us. Where we measure their eye pressure every one hour. In the past, some of our colleagues have actually done studies 
where they put one of those contact lenses that we were talking about earlier to measure the eye pressure throughout the day even when someone went home. And we found that in glaucoma patients that the eye pressure could really fluctuate quite a lot and so we were missing important data points. So if your doctor asks you to spend the day with him or her in the clinic where they do one of these diurnal fluctuation curves, so measuring your eye pressure every hour throughout the day, then I would definitely encourage that because you can get a lot of good information that helps you determine what your T max is, again, your high pressure, and what your T target or your pressure target should be. It is interesting, Manu, that the way in which those experiments have been done have led us to understand that it may be as important how much the fluctuation is in eye pressure, even moment to moment, as what the average eye pressure is. So fluctuations in the pressure in the eye could be damaging. The problem there is that if you follow the experimental work that's been done recently, they had the way of measuring the eye pressure in an animal's eye 24-7, and they learned that the eye pressure fluctuates wildly when you blink when you suddenly look to the right or the left, when you get excited. And so not all fluctuations in eye pressure are definitely going to be bad. And if fluctuation in eye pressure in and of itself was injurious to everybody, then we'd all have glaucoma, and unfortunately none of us would ever still keep seeing. I would consider about four to six millimeters of mercury of fluctuation in a day to be fairly normal. What do you think? Well, I think that's a number that comes from the literature where we've measured people under office conditions through the course of the day. There are papers that say that those diurnal measurements are useful and they indicate who's going to be more likely to have progressively worse glaucoma. And another doctor has just published work that suggests that maybe there isn't a good correlation between how much the pressure fluctuates in a day and how much glaucoma progressive damage occurs. So I think the the jury's still out on that one, but you will hear us talking about your eye pressure an awful lot in glaucoma because it's the single thing that we monitor in the short term for how your glaucoma's doing. Now in the long term, what matters is what you'll hear on some subsequent podcasts, and that's visual field testing and monitoring of the optic nerve status through imaging. Thanks for joining us for this episode. And if you have not already checked out our website or checked us out on social media, please go to our website, www.diagnosisglaucoma. You can also find us on Instagram, at diagnosisglaucoma. We're also on Facebook, and we're now on YouTube. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, your mom says take your drops. 